Though the sun is shining this morning, it's a beautiful day. We're gathered together to worship God and to partake of the communion to reflect upon the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. So all this together, know what I'm looking for. Good morning. That's awesome. I'd like to welcome you here, especially our visitors. We're glad to have you. Grateful for the opportunity to come and present some words from from God's Word to you. Um, In the assembly group, one of the things that we've been discussing is how can we make the assembly as a whole more beneficial to everybody. Um, One of the things that we've discussed is the Lord's Supper is really a central theme to our worship on Sunday mornings. When we gather together on the Lord's Day, the communion is really a central theme. This is where we focus on the fact that Jesus gave his life for our sins. And one of the things that we've discussed is maybe having the communion after the sermon so that the sermon and the communion can tie together a little better. Um, So if you find this to be beneficial, talk to Ryan, Jeff, myself, the elders, and say, yeah, that's great, or wow, Robert really messed that up, don't do that again. So so I kind of jumped on the bandwagon here, volunteered to do the really easy one. I'm doing a lesson on the Lord's Supper, and then Ralph will tie his words on the Lord's Supper on my lesson on the Lord's Supper as opposed to coming up with some other sermon and then trying to tie those two together. So I'm taking the easy way out, just so you know. But um, before we begin, I'm going to be taking most of the lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And let me read through this really quick, um, because as I go through it, I'm going to be basically jumping back and forth around in those scriptures. So let me just lay it out here as from beginning to end, and then we'll uh, begin with the lesson. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you'd like to follow along, starting in verse 17. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. So I wanted to take the time this morning. Most of us know what the communion is, what the purpose of it is, but I kind of wanted to go through the five W's, the who, what, when, where, why of of why we partake of this, why we partake of it here, why we partake of it on this day, who should be partaking of it. So just going through those, kind of a basic lesson to get us to focus on the reasons why we do the things we do. So the first is the who. Who partakes of the Lord's Supper? It's all of us, the congregation, the body of believers. In Acts 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked to them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. So we gather together as a church, as a body of believers, and we partake of the communion together to focus our minds and our thoughts on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And Jesus also is here. Whenever we gather together in his name, he is here in our presence, and we share this time with him. The next question would be, when? When should we take the Lord's Supper? Again, Acts 20, verse 7 says, on the first day of the week. It doesn't say on the first Sunday of the month. It doesn't say on special holidays. It doesn't say whenever you gather together as a body of Christians at any given time. It's very specific. I don't see any room for confusion on this one that it says on the first day of the week that we gather together to break bread. And the phrase breaking bread is used to indicate in scriptures, a meal, a common meal that we would have, you know, supper, breakfast, lunch. But it's also used to indicate breaking bread for the communion. And the logical indication based on Paul's words in Corinthians is that this is something separate. This isn't gathering together and having a potluck. This isn't us gathering at dinner time and having a meal and then we take a moment out for this. This is a specified thing that Jesus set for us to focus our minds not on the fact that I'm hungry and I'm eating and, oh yeah, let me think about what Jesus did. This is very specific that we take this time to think about Jesus and his sacrifice. 
Where do we take the Lord's Supper? We take it in the assembly. Whenever we congregate, wherever we congregate. Um, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 18 says, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, so as we gather together as a family, as a body of believers, Paul is saying this in the context of discussing his concerns with how the Corinthians are partaking of this. And this would apply if we were meeting as a body of believers in a home, if we were meeting as a body of believers here in the building, if we met outside. It's a nice sunny day, probably a little too cold to go outside, but the location itself isn't as important as it is that the congregation is together. So that's where we partake of it. The next question is the what. What is the uh, Lord's Supper? It's not a common meal. We've kind of discussed that. As previously stated, Paul indicated that the Corinthians would come together to partake of the communion separately from a meal. Some would eat a meal, some would not have food, but it wasn't the communion that they were taking. Verses 17 through 22, I give you these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together not for the better but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. Um, Verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one of you takes his own supper ahead of the others. One is hungry, the other is drunk. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Do Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. So they were gathering together. Some of them had a lot of food. Some of them had no food. The ones that had a lot didn't apparently share with the ones that had none. They would gather together. Some would start eating and others would have nothing. That is not the purpose of the communion. The purpose of the communion is for us to gather together and we focus all of our thoughts and our minds on this act and what it represents. It's a connection to the Passover. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 12, starting in verse, we'll start in verse 3. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb... Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat of the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its heads with its legs and its entrails. 
You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. When God established the Passover... They were to choose a lamb without blemish. Jesus is our lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice that God prepared for us for the sins that we've committed. They were to prepare to leave. When they prepared this meal, they were to have their belt on, their sandals on their feet, their staff in their hand, eat this meal in haste and be ready to go. God is going to strike at Pharaoh, strike down the gods of Egypt, and prove his power. And in the morning, Pharaoh and all of Egypt is going to tell the Israelites, get out, go, we don't want you here anymore. So be ready to move. Jesus tells us that we are to be prepared. He told us that not even the angels in heaven know when the day of judgment's going to come. It could be another hundred years. It could be another thousand years. Tonight could be the night that God decides to call us all home. And Jesus says, be prepared. So like they were in the Passover, be ready. Be ready to go because you don't know when it's going to happen. The blood on the doorposts was assigned to the Lord so that the plague of death would pass over. Jesus' blood is a sign for us. He cleanses us and he offers us that eternal life. The Israelites, when the plague came through, the blood on the doorpost saved them. Jesus' blood saves us. The Lord's Supper is a simple meal. Unlike the Passover meal, we don't have to eat the lamb, which is good, because I've had lamb and I don't care for that. But it's unleavened bread. It's the fruit of the vine. It's grape juice. A very simple thing. I like the way that God keeps things simple for his people. When we gather together, we sing. It's not rock bands, electric guitars, harps, laser light shows, fog machines, all this stuff going on. It's just us blending our voices together and singing praise to God. Albeit some of us are off key.
But he has us sing. Just sing is what he wants from us. When we're told to pray, he tells us don't use many words. Don't use vain repetitions. It's, again, just us talking to God. Very simple. And when he gives us this memorial, it's simple unleavened bread, simple juice. But it carries so much power with it, so much weight with what it is, what it represents. God said that he desires mercy, not sacrifice. He desires a broken and contrite heart. This is not a feast suitable for royalty. It's simply a memorial to remember our Messiah's sacrifice. When you compare it to Naaman, he was a powerful general in a foreign army, stricken with leprosy. And he's told there's a prophet in Israel. Go, maybe he can help. And he sends word to the king, and he comes to the prophet's house. And Elisha doesn't even come out to him himself. He sends a servant. And the servant says, yeah, you see that river over there, the Jordan? Just go dip yourself seven times in that river, and you'll be cleansed. You're good. He's furious. He's mad. He goes away in anger. Don't we have better rivers where we come from? Why would I go in that dirty, muddy river over there? And his servant says, what, isn't it so much better that he doesn't have you do some grand thing but just wash and be clean? God keeps it simple for us. We don't have to do some grand thing to be his servant, to be saved. It's such a simple message that he gives us. Love me. Turn your life over to me. Remember what I did for you. Jesus did the grand thing. Gave his life for us. And he says, just do this. And remember me. It's Jesus' body. In Matthew chapter 26. Starting in verse 26. Matthew 26, verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This meal that we take is Jesus' body, It is his blood. It's the sign of the covenant that he made with us. Here is how you will inherit eternal life. Here is how you will have your sins washed away by what I've done for you. John chapter 6, starting in verse 48. John 6 and verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. 
This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So Jesus says, back when Israel was freed from Egypt, and they traveled in the wilderness, and there was no food for them, God gave them manna. He gave them bread from heaven to sustain them. And they gathered that, and they ate it, and eventually they died. And Jesus says, but I am the bread of heaven. I am the bread of life. And if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. When we take this communion, we have eternal life. Because we are following what Jesus said. And the disciples obviously were confused. It's like, wait a minute. He's saying to eat his flesh and drink his blood. How could that possibly be? But he says... I'm speaking spiritually to you. You're not going to actually eat my flesh and drink my blood, but spiritually, this bread that is my broken body and this fruit of the vine that is my blood that was poured out, this is what you'll partake in. It was a hard teaching, and many of them fell away when they heard this because they couldn't understand that he was speaking of a spiritual thing and not a physical thing. When we take this supper, we abide in him and he abides in us. And now why? Why do we take the communion? Because it's a commandment. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Paul wasn't there the night that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Paul was taught by Jesus. And Paul is saying, this is what Jesus told me you are to do, what I am to do, what we are to do. Gather together and take this communion and reflect upon this sacrifice. Reflect upon what was done on our behalf. Why do we do it? Because it's a commandment. Why else? Because we edify each other. We build each other up. When we come together and we partake of this communion, it's communion, community. We're together and we do this. And all of our minds are focused and centralized on this sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And we build each other up and we're encouraged by each other doing this together. The Corinthian church, some would eat, some would not. Some got drunk, some got full, some were hungry. We do this together, all of us together. We do it because we reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. The night with Eben Pinion is such a powerful song because it talks about when Jesus is in the garden before he's arrested and he knows what he's going to go through. And he goes before his father and says, Father, if there's any other way, let it be. But your will be done, not mine. And he willingly goes to his death. He allowed them to beat him. He allowed them to mock him. He allowed them to spit upon him. And finally to hang him from that cross. He allowed his body to be broken and beaten and battered and allowed his blood to flow and his life to end, not because of what he did. He was the unblemished lamb. And it was for our sins that he did this. So when we take this emblem, we reflect upon that. When we take the bread, we reflect and think about that body beaten, whipped, When we drink the fruit of the vine, we think about that blood that poured out from his head, his hands, his back, as the soldier pierced his side and the blood flowed forth. Why else do we take this communion? So that we reflect upon ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. 
When we are preparing to take this emblem, we think about, have I lived my life right for Jesus? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I letting sin overwhelm me? And we reflect on the example that Jesus set and where we stand in relation to that. We proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. Our congregational theme this year is sound forth the word. We're supposed to go out and proclaim the gospel to those around us, to spread the message, to spread the gospel. And we're told that when we take this, we proclaim his death. If people say, well, why do you take communion on the first day of the week, every week? Why don't you take it once a month? Why don't you do it on Christmas and Easter? Because we're proclaiming his death. We're proclaiming the fact that our Savior died and was resurrected for us. We proclaim this. So, when we take the Lord's Supper, we're proclaiming his death until he returns. We're reflecting upon the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. We reflect upon our service to him. And we build each other up and edify each other. So if you are not yet this morning a Christian, there is no better opportunity than right now to make your life right, to become one of his children, to come forward and in the waters of baptism have your sins washed away. And then you'll be able to partake of this communion. You'll be able to Proclaim his death. If there's anything that we can help you with this morning, this would be the time that you can stand and come forward while we stand and sing.